0: Previously,
1: We've been in the Delta Quadrant for 13 days, almost two weeks. And this is the third staff meeting regarding battle readiness. I'm sorry, Elijah. I've just had it up to here with battle preparedness. I thought... Look,
0: Doc. We aren't at war anymore. This is our third staff meeting regarding battle readiness. Why? The Delta Quadrant, for what little we know of it, isn't safe. I've got a good feeling something is just around the corner.
2: Bridge to Captain Leandros. Leandros here. Captain, your presence is requested on the bridge. Report. I believe this is something you may wish to see for yourself.
0: On our
3: way.
2: Captain on the bridge.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Are those benthin assault cruisers?
2: They are, Captain. Four of them. All disabled or destroyed. Initial scans indicate no life signs aboard.
1: What could have done this? How? Why?
2: All valid questions, Doctor. Secondary scans are in progress now, and we should have more information shortly. Any other ships in the sector? Nothing in sector, nothing on long-range scanners. Ray shields.
0: Go to condition yellow. Let's not risk it.
2: Shields up. Yellow alert. Yellow alert. Activated.
4: Captain, look. That ship has some pretty severe
2: plasma burns. Couldn't that be beam scoring? I don't think so, sir. It's too diffused. Beam scoring is generally sharper. What to find. The lieutenant is correct, Captain. Secondary scans indicate plasma weapons were used during the attack. Much of the data, however, is still inconclusive. One of the Bentham vessels is emitting large amounts of radiation. It is no doubt hindering our sensor equipment. May I suggest we move in closer to one of the other vessels? Isn't being that close to the radiation dangerous? I would not suggest prolonged exposure, but less than a few hours' time will not cause the ship or crew harm. Doctor...
1: If Mr. Pentad says we'll be fine, I have no objections. I would insist on quarter-hourly crew evaluations, though.
0: Very well. Mr. Cobb, move us closer to one of the disabled vessels. That one there should do. Uh, yeah aye, Captain. Nice and easy, Helmsman. That should do it. X?
2: It is certainly an improvement, Captain. It would seem three of the four Benton vessels are husks. However, the ship to our three o'clock seems to be functioning. It is registered as the Bentham Guard Vessel AVEC. Structural integrity at 62%, power levels fluctuating between 86 and 67. Sir? What is it, X? Life signs, Captain. Very weak. I'm picking up three humanoids. Initial examination indicates they will not survive without immediate medical attention.
1: I'll need five minutes to gather my gear. Transporter room three?
2: Slow down, doctor. XO, anything
0: stopping us from beaming the injured parties directly to sickbay?
1: They may not be stable for transport, Captain.
2: It is impossible to beam to or from the Prioritas. The radioactive interference is too strong to establish a transporter lock. With time, we may be able to dissipate enough radiation for emergency transport.
1: We can't wait, Captain. They need our help.
0: Mr. Pentad. doctor, you're with me. Mr. MetroCon, have a two man security team meet me in the shuttle bay. Captain, you should remain here. I'll follow your awaiting position. We're unsure. I if- need you here, Ben. If the attacking party returns, I need someone I can trust at the con. The bridge is yours, Commander.
1: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Patreon community sponsor, our friend Isaiah, and we thank all our patrons for their monthly support of Priority One podcast. Admirals, you're listening to episode 201 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded on Wednesday, December 4th, 2014, and available for download or streaming on Monday, December 8th, 2014, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Cookie.
0: And I'm Elijah.
1: What do we have in store this week, Elijah?
0: This week, we trek out advancements in tech that are absolutely Star Trek-inspired, In Star Trek Online news this week, Q makes his presence known with this year's Winter Wonderland event. And Cookie is all up on that. This week, our featured guest is Thomas the Cryptic Cat to discuss an interesting chart that helps players understand power and weapon icons in Star Trek Online. And of course, before we wrap the show, we'll open healing frequencies for your incoming messages.
1: Admirals, thanks to the support of loyal listeners like you, we've reached our monthly financial goals through our Patreon campaign. Because of your contributions, the lights stay on from month to month here at Priority One Podcast. We are just as humbled now as we were in August, and we will continue to produce the show thanks to you.
0: And even if you can't or haven't donated, you can support us by dialoguing with us. Your comments, your questions, tweets, Facebook messages, in-game chats, your emails, they all mean the world to us. And remind us each and every week that you're listening and that you want to engage in conversation with us, and we want to engage with you. So even if you're a long-time listener, share your thoughts with us on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, in-game, however you can reach
1: us. A few last pieces of housekeeping. We're looking for another audio editor to join the team and assist with the weekly production of the show. If you have wanted to join the team, reach out to incoming at priority1podcast.com or visit the website and click on Red Shirt Uncle Sam. Additionally, we will begin experimenting with broadcasting our recordings live on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Keep an eye on our social media platforms for showtimes.
0: All right, Admirals, let's trek out some fascinating new technologies directly inspired by Star Trek.
1: Me, uh, then let's trek it out. It's not news that technology is always advancing, and as the years pass, the more technology seems to emulate science fiction to become science fact. Star Trek, a vision of the future, has inspired scientists and engineers around the world to innovate. These two pieces of tech are no exception. First of all, let's talk about a piece of engineering marvel that has remained virtually unchanged for over 160 years. You've used it, and you appreciate it it's probably something you take for granted. The elevator. Like I said, unchanged for nearly 160 years. But now, German company ThyssenKrupp is promising that two-axis travel will revolutionize intra-building travel. What is more impressive is how and when they'll have it operational. Not unlike Star Trek turbo lifts, the new system will run on maglevs, freeing it from the up and down restrictions of conventional cable-controlled cabins. You can go up, down, left, and right. But it doesn't look like you'll be able to go around a corner, at least not yet. Anyways, the company is calling the new technology Multi, and it's scheduled to see its first implementation in 2016. According to the company, this new technology will free architects from the conventional styles and allow for more flexible building design.
0: Whatever. I just want the door to swoosh like the Enterprise and allow for it to have voice commands. That's all I want. The next piece of technology that's coming to fruition is in the form of holographic interfaces. One of the biggest problems with gesture controls is the lack of feedback that you receive. So let's face it, the Sidekick keyboard is still the best keyboard for a smartphone that was ever created.
1: Wait, 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 what? Sidekick, is that the one that- that?
0: Everybody uh, needs a sidekick. Rolls kick? out? Yeah. It like, yeah.
1: I do not like that keyboard. It
0: was the best keyboard ever created. I
1: don't like keyboards that, that slide out at all.
0: Anyway, I'm not a big fan of touch because I'm not actually pressing a button. Hence, you know, they they offer the haptic feedback for most smartphones. And controlling something in mid-air is even more difficult without tactile response. You can go ahead and watch a YouTube video of anyone playing the Kinect or Wii. We never look as cool as Tom Cruise in Minority Report. So the next big thing in virtual reality could be something called haptic holograms, a technology that uses sound waves to make virtual objects feel real to human users, according to an article on PC Mag. The technology sends ultrasound waves at the right time and frequency to produce a sensation of touching the different parts of the object. So you're given the sense as if you're touching a round object or a square object. According to the article, the technology is still crude, but this could pave the way for interactive holographic interfaces that float in midair but provide haptic responses. And thanks to listener Josh Mitnick for bringing this article to our attention.
1: Palm Pixie, that, that that had a good keyboard right there.
0: Who's Palm Pixie? It
1: was my phone, my old phone.
0: Oh, but like phones with an actual keyboard, were always oh we're always easier to to type yeah, on. I mean, than, they are
1: definitely. Than
0: than what we have now. I mean, you got swipe, you got Swift Key. It doesn't make a difference. It takes forever to write a message compared to when you actually had a physical keyboard on your in your hand that you could type with. Um, but
1: I do like the privacy of the keyless keyboard because now you can type and you can't hear the clicks. When something scandalous happens, you can secretly type and no one can hear you typing about it.
0: That may be the case. Why are you always typing scandalous things?
1: Well, you wouldn't know if I was now.
0: (laughs) But, I mean, this is great. I mean, imagine, you know, look at the Odyssey bridge, right? How it has these holographic L-cars interfaces that are projected up and hover. I mean, you know, the imagine being able to kind of feel yourself touching something even though it's not really there. Fascinating stuff, either way.
1: Have you discovered something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? A new advancement in science or tech that you would like Dr. Robert to weigh in on? Then send it over to us via incoming at priority1podcast.com
0: Let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online News.
2: Computer status report
0: status
2: incoming message i'm only in the
0: mood for good news today all right captains our first piece of star trek online news this week is the patch notes now there was a long list of changes done to on holodeck this coming week on thursday december 4th we encourage you to visit the star trek online website for the complete list of changes but we're going to highlight the things that interested us the most First and foremost, from the top of the list moving down, is that the Embassy Romulan Bridge Officers, those awesome superior operative ones that everybody wants to get their hands of and run two, three, four, five of them on their ship, those uniforms can now be customized in the tailor. According to the patch notes, these uniform options will not include faction specific uniforms, such as Starfleet uniforms, and it also does apply to Embassy Romulan Bridge Officers which have already been purchased. Now, For those of you that like to kind of have your bridge officers looking a certain way, this is great for RP, because I don't really like Romulans. So, at least now, they can look less Romulan. The next bullet here in the patch notes is Delta Marks are now offered as a reward choice for the PVEQs Storming the Spire and the Breach. Additionally, Delta Mark boxes now unpack automatically upon receiving them instead of being placed in your inventory. In addition... The Delta Quadrant Patrols have also seen some love. As discussed last week with Aura Vera, they have doubled the amount of reward skill points for all Delta Quadrant Patrol missions. This is exciting because I skipped most of the patrols or replaying them because it wasn't worth it to me uh, as I was leveling up. So now, in order to earn the points I need to progress through the specialization tree, I can go back and enjoy the patrols and play them and experience the variety that was designed when the patrols were created. And again, last week we discussed something that hit Tribble but has now hit Holodeck, and that is research and development costs. There's been a reduction to the uncommon material costs of uncommon components, as well as a reduction of the rare material costs of rare components and a reduction on very rare materials for very rare components. This is huge, huge especially when trying to craft tech upgrades. I'm really looking forward to seeing the numbers drop in the exchange for superior tech upgrades because then I can buy all the tech upgrades that I need or give them off to somebody and have them craft it for me and not cost several million EC or several hundred million EC. Now here's something that is not on the patch notes this week but was on the patch notes several weeks ago which was that the loadout system was supposed to have been fixed no, it hasn't. And it's driving me crazy. Because every time I switch into a different zone, my loadouts go all over the place. This wasn't a problem for me before Delta Rising. And now it's a problem for me, and it's driving me a little baddie. So please fix it.
1: Works fine for me. Just kidding. No, it, I did have some issues, too. I did have, But I did something like I looked it up online, and there was, there was some, like, intensive, very technical, weird way that you can fix it that has several steps and I think some of it includes transferring maps and unloading certain um, things out of your ship and then reloading it and I tried one of those several different things you could do and I tried one of them and it worked but
0: we'll try to have links in the show notes for whatever the remedy might be to fix those loadouts but I would really like for it to be the way it was before Delta Rising where it wasn't affecting me so we'll see we'll see how it goes then lastly there's been some interesting news A bit of uh, changes to Nerve Tonic. Now the dancing will
1: trigger. Wait, I, I want to talk about Nerve Tonic. You can't talk about Nerve Tonic.
0: Everybody's tired of you talking about Nerve Tonic, Cookie.
1: I want to talk about Nerf Tonic. Nobody wants to hear
0: you talk about Nerve Tonic.
1: This is Nerve Tonic News, our new segment on Priority One Podcast, and it's my segment, not yours. All
0: right, new little sub segment (laughs) in Stone News, Nerve Tonic News.
1: Nerve Tonic News. The dance emote triggered by use of Nerve Tonic to go is not only unbound, we already knew that now, but now it doesn't deactivate when a party amplifier is in use. But wait, there's more! For the first 60 seconds of taking it, you can move around freely and it won't deactivate. After that time it goes back to normal and moving will turn it off, but party amplifiers won't. You know what this means? This means that we will all see a little more Nerve Tonic around Star Trek Online, because the fear of having it ruined by party amplifiers and trolls will be gone. The only thing you do have to keep in mind is that currently there is a bug, and this is for several of the emotes, I believe, at least the dance ones, that doesn't let anyone who wasn't on the map at the time of activation see the emote. So if you activate the Tonic dance and then people come to your instance, they will not be able to see it. So keep that in mind. Otherwise, I hope to see a lot more Nerf Tonic dancing around Star Trek Online.
0: Something else has happened this week that came with the December 4th patch. And that was the launch of the Winter Wonderland events.
1: Well, Q's Winter Wonderland runs from December 4th through January 15th. And let's just briefly go over the events in order of appearance by time. At the top of every hour, there's a new event called tides of ice, where waves of assimilated Borg snowmen attack Winter Wonderland. This event is located at the Ice Palace, which is at the bottom left corner of the map. This is a new area. There are four lanes where the snowborg come down and you need to defeat them and keep them from escaping. Each lane has two bridges that block them with ice, which will eventually break once the snowmen reach it. There are also towers on each bridge to help shoot down the snowborg but they occasionally need to be repaired. There are a total of 10 waves to this event. Each wave gives you a small reward. All of the waves pretty much have the same goal, except for the last one, the Borg Snow Queen spawns at the landing spot where all four lanes meet. Once she is defeated, the mission is complete. Some of the items in the Holiday Item Vendor require you to complete this mission X amount of times in order to get certain items. The requirements vary depending on the item. At the 15 and 22 minute mark, the PVP race the Fast and the Flurriest starts. This is a race against your peers to win winter tags that can be used to raise epos. You can then turn those in for a variety of marks. This is actually a great way to earn marks. This is one of those grab the flag races which I don't really care for, but at least you get a consolation prize if you don't grab it in time, which I almost never do because it's too slippery. Anyways, first place gets 12 tags, second place, 6, third gets 3, and everyone else gets 2. You need 6 tags for the Dof project to raise an Epo. Talk to the Romulan Epo researcher in the gazebo to trade in your tags. At the 30 minute mark, the evil snowmen come out to play. Your instance will need to defeat 150 snowmen within 15 minutes, and then a giant snowverlord will appear in the frozen lake. Once he has fallen, you will get your rewards. At the 45 minute mark, one of the events I just mentioned will occur at random, and this will rotate, so it's meant to be a surprise. You can also earn rewards by competing in a pie eating contest in the gazebo. You have to talk to the pie contest brain standing near the pies to compete. There's a 15 minute cooldown for this. We also have a new winter chef, Neelix. He is located in the gazebo. You give him a recipe that you get during the Winter Invasion PVEQ, and he tells you to find the ingredients. You will have to replicate or buy one of the ingredients, and the rest of them you hunt down hidden throughout the map. Well, there aren't really hidden, they're just big circles on the map indicating where they are. Then you can either eat that food for a performance boost, or feed it to a Tribble to make a Winter Tribble, which also helps you during the Winter event. Don't forget about the doff assignments, that's a nice easy way to get winter items. There are new items this year, there's a new fleet project you can slot to receive a 2014 Breen ship ornament to be displayed in your starbase. They added three more colors to the winter wardrobe, teal, brown, and a combination of red and green. You can also get a knitted hat now. I'm excited about this, they added explosive gumdrops, which sends gummy shrapnel in all directions damaging nearby snowmen. And then there's Candy Cane Caltrips, which is a circle candy cane shrapnel on the ground that slows down and slightly damages any snowmen that pass through it, slowly killing them. The avalanche sounds pretty cool. You summon a massive snowball to land on the snowman. You can now also get the gingerbread defense squad, which spawns two gingerbread men to help you by following you around and throwing gumdrops at the snowman. There's also a new abomadorable pet which looks like a piranha-snow monkey hybrid. We have two new guns, the impaler, which is similar to a sniper rifle that shoots icicles, and then the freezing mist gun, which shoots a compressed stream of mist that can damage several snowmen at a time. There's a new nano-pulse batleth and lerpa, and the winter kit modules look kind of cool too. I'm not sure if I'll get them though. Most of these items can only be used in the Winter Wonderland except for the wardrobe, snow boots, unmelting snowballs, and probably a few other things. And keep in mind, the pets can be summoned in other places, but don't move around after the event ends.
0: Now, Captains, one of the biggest rewards coming with this new Winter Wonderland is the new Breen Saur (laughs) Carrier. Whatever Breen sound like. Now the key feature about this ship is the fact that it is a tier 6 carrier, the first and only tier 6 carrier currently available in the game, and this is available to you for free. Sure, argue that you have to grind for it, argue that you have to earn these autographs, but technically you're not paying any money. So first, Tier Six Carrier, and according to its specs online, which you can find, of course, at uh, artgames.com, the Star Trek website, it's a pretty nimble carrier to boot. Now, we won't go into too much detail about this ship because, well, not very many people have their hands on it, except for Skiffy, of course, because Skiffy seems to get everything like four days before it even launches. I don't even understand how. I'm kidding. He doesn't get it before it launches, but he certainly gets it the day of. So he, uh, our audio engineer, Skiffy, uh, does have the ship, so we'll be testing it in the coming weeks, so stay tuned for that. But generally, the basics of the ship is that it does sport two hangar bays filled with Bleth Chaos Fighters. However, if you've unlocked a Pleshbrek Raider from previous winter events, you also gain access to Pleshbrek Frigate Pets. The carrier does have three four-and-three-aft weapons and a bevy of stats and powers that we haven't yet tested. But, rest assured, Captains, we've acquired one of these hot new ships, and we'll be back with our initial review of the Saar Carrier in a future episode. Now, when you go to the Events tab and you want to claim your ship, all three are available from years past. The Chelgret Warship, the Flashback Raider, and the new one. Only one Winter Starship project can be slotted at a time. When you activate one, it'll make the other ones invisible until you either cancel it or finish it. Then the others will reappear. So if you already had one going from last year and don't finish it, you will not see the new tier 6 one available because you can only have one at a time. The trick is is that what, what ends up happening with the alts is that once you do it on one, one character and complete it, you'll get the discount on all your alts. So you don't have to earn the complete thousand autographs that Cookie will talk about momentarily.
1: In order to get the tier 6 Breen Sarthelm Carrier, you'll need to obtain 1,000 autographed 8x10 glossy photos and turn them into your special event reputation project. You can earn these by either completing the PVE race, the fastest game on ice once a day, or you can buy the photos with Lobie. Once you complete this reputation project on one tune, the other tunes will only require 40 photos each, or the equivalent of one race. In this race, you compete against an NPC, and it can be a little tricky at first. It took me a while to figure out how to beat it. The key for me was, don't wait until they say go. You actually have to start earlier than that. Go as soon as you are physically able to, which is still during the countdown. That's the only way I've found that works. You can also use your frosted boots to increase your speed, but corners can be very tricky. So just let go of all the keys and jump up to stop yourself from sliding off the track. Or make yourself roll. Because if you do slide off, you'll be disqualified. Me, personally, I don't use boots because I want more control and I don't think I need... I think I can. I usually can do it without the boots just fine. You need to talk to the Breen race coordinator in the gazebo to enter the race. Then go down to the signal race official on the round platform near the start of the race. After you finish, go back to the race coordinator and collect your reward, which includes the 40 glossy photos of Q. There's no cooldown if you fail, but there's a 20-hour cooldown for this once it's completed, so you can only do this once a day.
0: And, Captains, one last piece of Star Trek Online news is what's going on in the calendar of events. Keep in mind that the Alachi Alert Weekend is coming up. It runs from December 11th through December 15th. The mark rewards are increased by 50% for this PVEQ, and you can get any kind except for Delta Marks. That wraps up Star Trek Online news for this week, but before we go, here's our community question. Tell us what your experience has been this first week of the winter event. How do you like it? How do you like the changes? Let us know in the comments section for this episode on priority1podcast.com forward slash po. Two zero one, or in the forum post for this episode on the Star Trek Online forums. Now let's jump into our interview with Thomas Maroney.
4: Security clearance level three or above is required to access files.
2: This is Captain Benjamin Cisco. Authorization: Cisco Alpha One Alpha.
4: Logs accessed.
0: All right, captains, and joining us for our two hundred and first episode of Priority One Podcast is staff UI artist. Thomas, the cryptic cat. Thomas, thanks for joining us this momentous episode.
3: Oh, I'm uh, happy to be there. Also, congratulations on your 200th episode. Um, it's a great milestone, and uh, everybody said it, but I'll say it. I look forward to the next 900.
0: What? Nice. Yes. Yes. You, you got. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. It's been it's been a great ride, and it's been fantastic being able to build. The relationships that we have uh, not only with the community but also with uh, with cryptic studios and you guys i mean just hanging out in vegas and 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 even talking about it as we were prepping for the interview here we were having fun discussing all the the activities that we get to do when we go to the conventions and how fun they are so uh it's it's great it's great times so thomas we have brought you on to the show this week to talk about uh, a few things first is Let's talk about a chart that you created and has been floating around social media about the UI icons that are in Star Trek Online. Talk to us a little bit about that. Talk to us about why you created this chart uh, and why it might interest players.
3: Sure, so the chart uh, basically discusses the anatomy of the power icons in STO. Um, and uh, basically it tells you like what each little portion of the power icon means. So um, the icons in STO Ideally, and this it probably isn't always the case, uh, but but the the ideal is that you know each little glyph on that icon means something, and that and you, you want the players to be able well, to interpret meaning from those icons at a glance, or at least when they you know when they read about the power in their power uh, powers list, and then they see the little icon, it makes it easier for them to associate and understand what that icon is when they see it on their power tray. This week, I released some images that kind of t- break down the anatomy of, of power icons in STO. And kind of describe what all the little symbols mean, what the colors mean, uh, just to make it easier for people to kind of uh, internalize all that information and understand when they're picking up powers um, at a glance. You know what what those symbols mean. The this came about actually. I've actually had all this stuff for a while. Somebody on uh, Reddit posted a question about what you know a a part of the icon meant. Um, If you're looking at a power icon in STO, you'll notice in the lower right there's a little glyph, and sometimes it's an X, sometimes it's an up arrow, sometimes it's a down arrow, sometimes it's a circle, um, sometimes it's a cross, and so somebody was you know, posted on Reddit asking, hey what does this mean? What does the up arrow mean? What does the down arrow mean? So people were guessing about it, I was like, oh yeah, I wrote documentation about this like, I don't know, six months ago that was very very thorough Um, because we were hiring a new UI artist and it's a lot easier to train somebody when you can say, oh, just go to this wiki page and read about it. Um, And you have all the, I had all the like, uh, you know, screenshots taken and descriptions written and everything. Um, And so when I saw that question read it. I was like, oh, well I can just basically take a screenshot of this internal wiki, clean it up a tiny bit and post it online and people will will, you know, and then that information will be out there for players to, to talk about and disseminate themselves. So Yeah, it started out for, you know, internal use, and there was no reason not to share it with with players when I found out there was an interest in learning more about it. So that's kind of what happened.
1: Were you surprised at the response that you got? I noticed that it was very positive, and a lot of people appreciated it.
3: I guess, I mean, whenever you put something out there like that, you always want people to be excited about it. Um, I I hope it's useful. I think, you know, I I do... I'm always kind of interested in how people... Operate because for me, I'm a very, very visual person, so icons are really important to me in terms of understanding a power and remembering, you know, identifying what something is. And and some people are more about like, you know, they'll they're more left brain, so they'll look at, you know, uh, they they think about something in terms of the name or the the DPS or whatever. Like, um, so it was really cool to see that people were appreciative of being able to decipher those symbols. And I and it is also kind of interesting um, to see how many people hadn't really picked up on any of those patterns. But, um, you know, when you think about it, really, there's not... There isn't a place in the game that tells you any of this. Like, it's all stuff you kind of have to into it um, when you're looking at at your power tray and kind of guessing. it's like, well, I guess an up arrow might mean something is increased, and that might mean that it's a buff, and a down arrow might mean that something is decreased, so that might mean it's a debuff. And and all the power icons that I create in STO are kind of based on the style of the original power icons the game launched with. So um, we're, we're, we haven't really changed that language since the launch of the game. We've, we've refined it in some places, but in general, you know, a lot of this stuff has been here since launch, and I think there are people who just never really recognize those patterns. Even when I play other games, I, it takes me a while to realize there is a language there. Even as, a, like, a trained UI artist, like, I do this every day. I look at icons every day, and I make icons every day, and it's, it's still kind of interesting when I play other games, like, to, you know, I don't really spot those patterns unless I try to look for them.
0: Actually, let's talk a little bit about that language. Is that something that is... A standardization in game development, or, or particularly maybe in a, even in an MMO when creating an icon like this you know like where you have a Rosetta Stone for instance right and when when deciphering languages when designing a game and UI like this is there a industry standard so to speak
3: um I think I think you kind of have to I mean I think that's why it's important to play games if you make games because I think there's not I mean if there is a copy of the Icon Painter's Bible I don't have it um, and uh, so basically it's just looking through thinking um, about um, symbols you've been exposed to as you know through, through work experience and life experience and playing games and, and thinking about the most universal symbol uh, that you can for something and, and trying to code that into the language of your game um it's kind of interesting because uh you know there are certain symbols that you can't really use even though they're they are intuitive for a video game because it doesn't make sense for a sci-fi game like Star Trek. You always want the art that you're making to to fit the setting of the game but you also need it to be universal enough that people who've never played a Star Trek game or or seen Star Trek or whatever just playing your game for the first time can understand that oh this is a this is a heal or this is gonna do more damage or something like that and I think STO succeeds in some places and fails in others with that obviously like there's nothing really if, if I'm honest there's nothing really intuitive about like the icons for engineering team, science team, and tactical team, uh, and the reason we chose the symbols that we did choose there is because the IP for those symbols is so strong uh, with the original series icons. You know, for for those different divisions, that in that case we kind of skewed, and that was a decision I made that I still kind of stand by. I skewed more heavily towards well, this is in this case it's got to be about the IP, like it's got to be about the fact that this is a Star Trek game. So. Um, and you know, honestly, that's what those other little cues are for, so that even if you see um, the engineering team symbol, you still see that also see that little up arrow. It's like, oh, this power is probably going to do something good for me. Um, and then you also hope that people will look at the look at the description of the power text and things like that to to kind of learn more about what the power does.
1: You know what I think is really helpful. Um, and I'm never going to look at my the, my tray the same again because now I know what everything is. <laughs> Because when you're in combat, sometimes, sometimes I forget what does what. But the self-heal and then the friendly heal thing where you can target, your, it only works for yourself. And then the one where you can single target, that I'm going to use a lot. Because sometimes it's like, okay, so which one can, my friend is dying, which one can I use?
3: <laughs> right. But yeah. now
1: I know when it's shaped like a little person, it only works on me.
3: Right. You know, I have to give credit to the, uh, and they're not working on STO anymore, but the original artist who set up that little code, I think, did a cool job. You know, Once you learn it, it's really handy and interesting uh, to to be able to see all that stuff and see how it works together. Well, I did think of an example as far as symbols that don't really work in STO but are universal. Uh, There's a space strategy game that some of your listeners might have played called Endless Space. It's a 4X game. It's turn-based, kind of like civilization in space. their whole philosophy on icons is they want they basically want to go with like the most universally recognized symbol they can even though it has nothing to do with science fiction or space so for example if there is a technology or uh some sort of thing that has to do with engines in the game engines for your spaceships the icon for engines in that game is a car engine (laughs) which is you know we're talking about a game that takes place in like the you know 46th century or something like that, you know, completely outer space, no Earth or anything, but, but the icons they use are um, are very kind of just, okay, we're just going to go straight for the uh, kind of the recognizable, which which breaks immersion a little bit, but I, I appreciate that philosophy.
0: So, Thomas, let's talk about the Pathfinder. Sure. This is your baby, huh?
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Pathfinder is my baby. I um, actually got to design... The Pathfinder, because the concept artist was out on vacation the week where he would have concepted it. So, um, one of my producers, uh, Salami Inferno, came into my office and he's like, Hey, Hector's gonna be out, so, um, are you you're gonna have to design the, you know, the Tier 6 Intrepid? Are you okay with that? I'm like, Boy, am I! <laughs> I might have gotten too excited. Um, and I still have the post-it note with, um, this first sketch I did of the Pathfinder right after he said that because I, c- I couldn't think of anything else. Like, I couldn't go back to doing what I was doing. It's like, well, I got to start drawing the spaceship right now. Um, oh, you totally actually-
0: have to take a picture <laughs> and send it to us so we can you include it in the show it. notes.
3: Yeah, I-, I did tweet it. Uh, I did tweet it a few days, well, like a couple weeks ago, I guess, but I'll send it to you guys. Um, I, I want to do a whole big blog post about it, about the, the process of designing it. But um, yeah, so I was able to. Uh, I had the opportunity to spend a little time, you know, making sketches and and going through that design process, and then and then uh, the uh, then I, it was actually my job to model it uh, as well. So um, so yeah, in the game, the Pathfinder model is is uh, one that I I built. Um, it's actually the second ship I've modeled for STO. Um, the the first one. Um, hasn't been introduced to uh, players yet but um, it'll it'll be live eventually um, but yeah so um, it was quite an experience I learned a lot making it uh, a lot of late nights getting it right because I'm still pretty new at, at 3d modeling so yeah um, I was up, <laughs> up late, doing things and redoing them because they weren't quite right or they weren't working well. And then I got the mesh done, I got the model done and textured. And then uh, the ship guys came over and it's like, "Oh man, you got to strip. That's way too many You know, that's way too high. Poly. You gotta, you gotta take about ten thousand polys off that." So, so then I had to like, yeah, really, really slice it down. And um, anyway, it was a learning experience. And uh, you know, I'm really. Um, I'm really happy with how it turned out. I'm glad in general it's gotten a really positive reception as far as the design of the ship goes. So
0: what, you know, when you have such an iconic ship like the Intrepid, right, like Voyager, what what was the thought process in in taking it into a modified version of that? I mean, you have to be careful for the purists and and make sure you're... You're, you tiptoe on that, on, on the fact that, you know, you don't poo-poo on what the intrepid stood for in any way, shape, or form, but at the same time you want to take logical next step as to what quote-unquote Starfleet Academy and the Corps of Engineers would, would take the ship. So what do you as an artist, as a conceptual artist think about when trying to balance and marry canon with progression?
3: Sure, no, that's, that's a really good question. So Progression is an interesting word because uh, one of the things that we did, um, that I did when I was thinking about it, was I went back to some of the original concept sketches for Voyager, Um, and if you've seen some of those, uh, you'll, you know, you can look at those and look at the Pathfinder, and you can pretty easily take, you know, figure out where I took inspiration from, Um, because basically the guys who, you know, the people in the art department. Um, on TNG and Voyager and DS9 and and obviously the original series as well, um, and Enterprise, like they're just all geniuses. They're all you know they they knew what they were doing. They, they thought about it a lot. They put a lot of care into it. And and Rick Sternbach, the guy who designed Voyager, was certainly no exception. Um, so uh, so seeing some of his early sketches and seeing some of the interesting kind of paths not taken with the original Voyager design, uh, it felt like that was a great place to start because that gave us. Something that was founded in, if not canon, kind of the brain of somebody who made canon. Um, so, so specifically, things on the Pathfinder that were inspired by that were the kind of the downturned uh, nacelles and the kind of the shape of the saucer. Um, you saw a lot of that in, in uh, one of the early versions of uh, of Voyager's design. Um, Rick Sternbach also designed the Prometheus, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, and he might have even designed the Dauntless too, now that I think about it. Um, so, that kind of uh, arrowhead saucer shape was something that he, uh, he really liked and, and uh, put in a lot of his designs. Um, so, so, you know, this, starting with uh, something that Rick Sternbach himself had, had done, and then, uh, and then also looking at the context of the lore in the game of where we're at, um, and kind of the powers of the ship. Uh, another angle was that well this ship was going to have intelligence powers and so what um, I decided was well it would be interesting to take the intrepid and have it have this design slightly influenced by the intelligence ships um no, this is actually the first time I publicly admitted that that was a thought process because the intelligence ships are so controversial <laughs> that I I didn't want people to be turned off, you know, by, by hearing that. But if you look at some of the trim lines and even also the kind of the shape of the saucer and the shape of the secondary deflector, that's a big one. Um, you can I think you can kind of see the heritage with the Eclipse and the Scryer. Um, those those were kind of influencing things. It was important to me to to say that, okay, well, this is, you know, Starfleet keeps pumping out these new ship designs, and they're going to, you know, even if uh, the Pathfinder is not a straight intelligence ship, it's clearly got some of the capabilities uh, inspired by the intel ships, and so, you know, maybe it has a little of this styling in it. So, um, you know, so that was another place I looked to for, for inspiration.
0: And you said that the community has, you know, received it very well. Um, you know, what have you noticed from the community? Have there, has there been anything that you kind of thought, oh, yeah, that, that was right? Maybe I should have taken it in that, in that direction, or 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 just generally, what has been the the, the feedback? Uh,
3: like most designs in STO, there are there are people who like the whole thing, and there are people who like parts of it. So that's one of the beauties of STO is that you can mix and match. Um, so some people don't like the downward swept pylons. Uh, which is fine, uh, and so they can swap out the pylons and, and use something from, you know, it actually looks really good with the uh, discovery pylons that are they're angled up. I think the Bellerophon pylons are angled up as well, um, and that's kind of going back to the previous question a little bit too. I mean, one of the nice things is that since there are already four versions of the Intrepid, it could get a little crazy, and and if people didn't like it, they could just swap out the parts, you know, like they. Um, so we could take things in a different direction, and that was one of the reasons we went with the downward pylons, even though none of my original concept sketches really had downward pylons. But we were just decided, you know, hey, let's give, let's make something different about this version, so that it's, you know, when you're customizing it with all the other parts, it's it's just another option that people have. Um, so, so you know, we're looking at that, and we're looking at the the Rick Sternbach stuff, and it it all kind of coalesced together. Um, I think people. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people um, there are things that people love about it, other people hate about it. I've heard really good things about the giant secondary deflector on top, and then I've heard people say they hate it. I've heard people say they love the chimera deflector, and I've heard people say they hate it. So, you know, that's that was another inspiration was that I, I really love the chimera, and I know that, that ship gets a lot of hate on Reddit, but uh, haters gonna hate, 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 so um <laughs> 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 so uh, <laughs> I think, I think, honestly, if it's if it's a Star Trek design and it's kind of polarizing, I think that means, in a way, you've done your job right. I, I, I very few Star Trek ships have universal acclaim. In fact, I can only think of one. I can only think of one Star Trek ship that, that everybody talks about positively, and that's the original... Um, the refit, Constitution refit. I've never really heard anybody say anything bad about that ship design. But everything after that... And even people think, you know, the original constitution is outdated, so, um, and they're wrong, but, um, but in general, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, I'm satisfied with the reception it's gotten, and I'm glad that people can, uh, um, you know, can customize it, and, uh, you know, I think, I think, uh, if there is something I would have done differently, I actually think it looks kind of cool when you swap out the secondary hull with a saucer, The saucer, the Pathfinder actually is a lot bigger than any of the other Intrepid variants, so the the saucer and hull sections don't match up with the other Intrepid variants um, in a clean way. Um, I probably would have, you know, if if I could go back, I I mean, if I could go back knowing what I know now, I would have done the ship a lot faster. But um, I would also have, you know, tried to spend more time cleaning that those intersections up. But I also I mean, if I'm honest, I actually think some some way this they match up is kind of neat. Um, so I don't know. That's that's kind of where I'm sitting at at it with the ship right now.
0: She's a good looking ship, man. I mean, I when 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 the images started surfacing and uh, they were being posted, um, even though it's it's a science focused ship similar to the Vesta, I thought that she was sexier than the Vesta.
3: No, wow, that's a that's high praise. No, I just it, need to get. It, gen- james to say that and i can really <laughs> then i can retire <laughs> no I, I mean it
0: really is because it's got it's it's it looks mean right it looks like it can hold its own uh, but it still looks in what james lee would describe as fast she looks fast she looks sleek um but she looks like she can take a punch you know it's a really nice marriage it's a really nice marriage of of the original intrepid concept with with progression and and I was debating trying getting it myself. I really was. But because I, you know, it's 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 still a, a bit of a science vessel, I
1: didn't yeah. I didn't pull the yeah. trigger. What's wrong with science vessels. Nothing it's
0: <laughs> nothing I mean there's nothing wrong with science vessels, it's just not my type of gameplay. You know, it's it's but yeah, she's a mean-looking ship. If she if she could be like a pure escort, man, I would have I would have hopped right on that.
3: Yeah, I uh I, I, the irony is me too. I don't I don't really use science ships. I've never flown a science ship before. So I have an alt, and he's got the Pathfinder. And I actually, I play as... I have an alt that is the Thomas Maroney character from the game, and so I gave him the Pathfinder. Um, but I need to, like, get science consoles, because I just don't have it. Yeah. I don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. And figure out, you know, what the build is and everything. So that's going to be a new adventure for me, because um, I, I can't... It would it'd be inappropriate for me not to fly the Pathfinder on that character, <laughs> but. Um, but I, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but if you go to Club 47, you can hang out with him. Oh, um, I
1: noticed. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Thomas <laughs> Several yeah, he's, screen he's caps.
3: Right, right. <laughs> uh, well, so I how that happened was um, if you guys remember, there was a Thomas Maroney in Memory Alpha. Um, and when Memory Alpha shut down, when we closed that, you know, it was kind of like I got kind of sad because, like, oh, my NPC's not in the game anymore. Um, so uh, you know, when we were putting out the Pathfinder, I was really excited because it's my first like Fed ship, and I designed it and I modeled it and everything. And it's basically been—I mean, I used to, I used to draw spaceships all the time in my notes at school. Like you know, I'd be paying attention to mostly just be drawing Star Trek ships for years, like in school and like high school, college, middle school, whatever. So so you know, it's a big deal for me personally to have this official. Federation ship, Star Trek ship, in a official Star Trek product. Um, uh, you know, it's um, even it, more than just working on the game. I would say this is the culmination of a lifelong ambition for me that I never really thought I could attain. You're like, oh, that'd be nice if I could, you know, design a real Star Trek shim- ship someday. I never thought I'd do that. Who, who really thinks when they're you know when they're 12 or 13 or 14 that they could actually make that happen? Um, So, so anyway, uh, so yeah, so for me, like, I, you know, it's, it's pretty, on a personal level, it's very special to, to be able to have done that. Um, So anyway, uh, I still have to say that, you know, when, when we were getting ready to put it out, I went to Christine, and I was like, hey, Christine, can we just tell people, can I just tell people that, that my character from Memory Alpha was given the Pathfinder, uh, that he's, he's Captain now, he got promoted from Commander to Captain, and He's the captain of the Pathfinder, um, and and Christine was like, oh well, we can we can actually why don't we just put him in Club Forty Seven and say that? It's like that was that was more than I was expecting. I just wanted to I just wanted her to back me up when I told people that, since she's the writer of the game and she keeps all the lore. I just didn't want her to deny that when I when I when I said that to other people. But she was she was really sweet about it. She's like, no, let's 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 get him out of Memory Alpha and Sean can put him in Club Forty Seven. And so that was really sweet of her to to do that, to to make sure that happened. It was nice of uh, Sean to do that for me, too. Um, But anyway, so so yeah, the Pathfinder has a really, uh, because of all that, it has a really special place in my heart, certainly.
0: Well, Thomas, is there anything that we haven't discussed or had the opportunity of to t- talk about that uh, you'd like
3: to share with us? Um, there's a lot of cool stuff that I've been working on that I would love to share with you, but I can't yet. So um, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Um, it was a pleasure to actually talk about icons. I think this might have been the first interview specifically about icons that I've done. I'm really, I'm really glad that was helpful for people
0: sounds good well thomas again thank you so very much for stopping
3: by and we'll talk to you again soon right, my pleasure have a great uh great evening and week and weekend message coming in
2: sir Hating frequencies open see we are getting to know each other
4: Hello, Priority One. Elliot here from the Priority One Network headquarters on Starbase 375. Congratulations on 200 outstanding episodes. I can't tell you how proud I am of this crew, and of everyone who's helped us get to this point. Every episode, Elijah signs off by saying none of this would be possible without you. While no truer words have ever been spoken, I think it's important to take a moment and show our appreciation for the folks on this side of the mic, past and present, who donate countless hours to bring you the highest quality production we can. Apologies if I missed anyone. Brandon, Mark, James Lee, Alex, Adrienne, Lennon, Tony, Skiffy, Cookie, Jace, Jeff, Bill, L, Steve, Varzak, Sordem, Terry Lynn, David, Shiv, Candice, Dr. Hurt, Rogue Jawa, Starbuck, Wesley, Sam, Ben, Jeff... Tuvix, Lance, and so very many more. Thank you for all you have done. Last but not least, Elijah. Thank you and congratulations, buddy. Without you, literally none of this would be possible. Here's to 200 more.
2: Hi, Pro21, this is Lee Malian, a.k.a. Mr. Plodder from the 300 Fleet. Congratulations on your 200th episode. You made my journeys to work so much more enjoyable, and I love your enthusiasm, passion, and pride in everything you've done so far. Here's to 200 more episodes and beyond. Take care, guys. All the best.
0: Admirals, we open hailing frequencies this week to your awesome congratulatory messages for our 200th episode. There were so many of you that reached out to us on Facebook, Twitter, through email, through the Star Trek online forums, on our comments section. It was unbelievable. New faces, familiar faces. It was absolutely fantastic and humbling, and we very much appreciate it. So thank you very much. And joining us for feedback this week is actually Thomas the Cryptic Cat.
3: Hey, everybody. That wasn't me. I did not make that (laughs) yelling noise.
0: Our first piece of feedback I'd like to read is from the co-founder of Priority One Podcast, Mark And he wrote in via email, I cannot express how proud I am of you all, taking the show forward and making it so fantastically amazing. I always said to Brandon, back when we started, I thought that the show would blow all of the other competition away one day. And you have. Even though names and faces have come and gone through the show, I know we picked the best people to take the helm and command the captain's chair. Best of luck for the 200th episode. Again, I am so proud of you all. I cannot fully express it. Here is to another 200 episodes and more. Live long and prosper, Mark. I miss Mark.
3: On Twitter, uh, Hippie John tweeted in reply to Cookie's Nerf Tonic video, This is the best thing ever. Cookie Cupcakes rules. I knew it was her idea because she broke down some barriers.
1: <laughs> yeah, I learned it from you, Thomas. I learned it from watching you.
3: <laughs> I drank Nerf Tonic from watching you. Uh, Basilonia writes to Cookie at Cookie Cupcakes It's quite a fun mockumentary The seedy underbelly of the cryptic drug scene <laughs> Wow Man, those are three words that you probably don't want to hear If you're a publicly traded company <laughs> <laughs> oh my- <laughs> I had a lot of fun uh, in that video Great, uh, Cookie did an amazing job editing it It's when you're in things like that When you decide to consent to you know, being in something like that, you were putting a lot of faith in the person who's going to edit it for you. But Cookie did an amazing job. So round of applause. Absolutely. Well, you
1: guys did amazing. I was so, um, I was so shocked at how many people agreed, first of all, to do it. I really didn't do very much. Just the editing. Everything else was all you guys. On PriorityOnePodcast.com, Marquez writes, Congratulations to P1 with the 200th episode, a true milestone, and an awesome achievement. You guys have to balance between a very vocal player community and a naturally tight-lipped company. But P1 still manages to provide info up to and beyond 200 podcasts. Well done. The Nerve Tonic Mockumentary, brilliant. Kudos to Cookie and a big thank you to the STO team for being good sports and playing their part.
0: The Luke Critter commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, congratulations on 200. The interview with Gecko was really appreciated. Once again, we got a sneak peek behind the door, giving us a better impression of what obstacles Team Cryptic faces in getting content and new systems implemented. Luke Critter, I want you to reach out to me. Email me. Elijah at
3: PriorityOneNetwork.com
1: You can email me, too. Just say (laughs) hi. doesn't have to be anything special.
3: Jack Morenzo writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com Congratulations on reaching 200. Your hard work and friendly banter make my shift at work a breeze. The feast of info we got in this episode, especially the hint of a possible Tier 6 carrier, made me freeze in a a place a couple times. And that mockumentary? Nice. Sunglass smiley face. To another 200 right uh no i agree with jack i listen to you guys uh at work uh whenever you have a new episode of it. it's exciting because it uh it gives me something it, it's cool to listen to feedback for the game while you're working on the game and occasionally you can i mean uh you know you can like chew on something and like oh i didn't notice that and you can go in and look at it in the game and, and see if there's anything you can do about it so uh, it's good for us as well
1: Jerry Lewis commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, Great episode. Congrats on 200. Loved the opening skit and really enjoyed hearing some of the previous cast members back again. It is nice to hear that they are working on the problem with alts and leveling gear.
0: That's right. We have introduced a new segment at the very tippity-top of the show. Uh, uh, We're calling it uh, Priority One Prelude, uh, which we're ripping directly off of our sister show, Star Citizen Uh, because it's been doing so well for them. And so we have brought on board a very talented writer to help us write these stories, you know? And and who who better to write these stories than than somebody who's been listening to the show for a very long time and and is familiar with our character and our way of speaking and our personalities. So it's been really exciting to be able to to work with a fantastic writer, very talented. And I think that, that came across in that that first part of our episode series. So moving forward, at the start of every episode, we're gonna get a bit of a story written by Jake Morgan.
3: Also, I'm excited because I, I thought that was like a one off for the two hundred episode. That was really cool. You should have you should have Captain Thomas Moroni show up on the Pathfinder. Ah,
0: okay, okay. Note to Jake. Jake <laughs> is gonna have to write uh, write in <laughs> Captain Thomas Maroni on the Pathfinder and we it'll we'll make it so. I assure you, we'll make it so. On our Facebook post for the episode Mad Wolf writes in. Huge, huge congrats on your 200th episode. You guys will always be my favorite Star Trek online podcast. Please continue to bring us the Trek in Stow awesomeness like you guys always have since episode 01. Wow, 01 to 200. Wow. You guys have come a long way. May you have 200 more forever a fan.
3: Thank you, Mad Wolf. Cave, they have a Cave Troll. Uh, <laughs> cave Troll writes uh, on PriorityOnePodcast.com, On the one sixty leveling for a new character, I created a fed line to Laxine shortly after DR launched. She is currently level 57 and has just completed the Gemidar story arc, plus the Solnai arc. She missed the Mirror Weekend event, but has done a fair number of space and ground BZs and PvEQs from Marks and Delithium. So, he's talking about, uh, you know, if you create a new character, how far do you get in the story? Um, what, you know, do you do you hit that level gate if your character's brand new at Delta Rising? And, uh, so, let's see, the Jemadar, that's about halfway through, really. So, it's in the Cardassian Struggle Oh, tab. yeah, no, it's not going to be a problem, then. No, so, yeah, you'll hit It'll 60
0: just doing the content, and you still will be...
3: So... It's halfway through, not counting the Solnay tab, I guess, because they said they did that too. Um, but you still have Borg, Breen, and the Delta Quadrant stuff.
1: I made a new Orion, Slave Girl. So I'm looking forward to the Klingon side, which will be my first time doing that. So, Nix commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, thanks for a great episode, and congratulations on 200. My favorite parts have always been the dev interviews, and this was no exception. I'm concerned about the need for very rare materials to make Mark 11 and Mark 12 gear. For people like me who want to make their own gear from the ground up, this is a bit of a problem.
3: The cost went down significantly. The patch went live today.
0: Chris Trone wrote in to incoming at priority1podcast.com I want to extend a huge thank you to the Priority One team for producing such a great show. On Tuesday, October 14th, the day Delta Rising was launched, I began a 44-day road trip for my job. I traveled 5,000 miles between 10 cities in three states. With my little netbook and hotel internet, I was relegated to doffing two alts at 52, and was not able to partake in any of the Delta Rising content until last week. Cookie, I'm so bummed I missed the Nerve Tonic party. Priority One and Guard Frequency filled the long voids between radio stations with an entertaining, quality, professional, drama-free connection to what was going on in-game. I appreciate your logical and collected analysis of controversial events. Your capacity to have constructive dialogue with the devs regarding these issues is why I use the term professional to describe your podcast, and not just polished. So we actually met Chris at Las Vegas this last year, uh, he was actually one of the one of the attendees who was in a Star Trek online uniform great guy to meet uh, I look forward to seeing him again hopefully this year if not next year at Star Trek Las Vegas again um, but uh, it, you know that's that's one of the, the great things about producing a show like this is that we've had the opportunity of meeting some of our listeners at these conventions our graphic artist Henry for instance I met him at the Jersey Convention in 2014 earlier this year and now he's contributing to this awesome volunteer-built podcast. Uh, he's actually, Henry's the one who, uh, who made the background on our uh, PriorityOnePodcast.com site, the, the celebratory 200 episodes. You know, it's fantastic being able to meet listeners like Chris, like Henry, and like so many of you, uh, and then be able to continue a dialogue and, and find out that you're still listening. You know, and that's, that's just, it's humbling and it's fantastic. So thank you. Thank you very
3: much. Sanuk Skyrat writes on priority1podcast.com. First, congrats, guys. Wow, not only 200 episodes, but also an episode that's three hours long. There's so much to talk about. First, as an Australian, we do eat kangaroos. 15 years ago, not so much. But now all coals and Woolies, our mainstream supermarkets, do sell kangaroo meat and sausages. Koalas have been added to the threatened species list. The eucalyptus leaf is very low in viable nutrients, which is why they don't so much. It's great that Brandflakes Flakes came back, and I agree with all the points. And right now, though, I don't feel that PWE is talking a lot to us. I'm talking to you, Santa Sky Rat. I hope that you're doing well in Australia. This is Thomas Maroney, an employee of PWE. I hope you have a great Christmas.
1: He's going to love that. That is so sweet of you. Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO priority one or shoot an email to us at incoming at priority one podcast.com.
0: Well, that wraps up episode 201 of priority one podcast. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds one podcast.com. And don't miss our interviews and videos from our trip to cryptic studios by heading over to youtube.com. Forward slash P1 network. And of course, you can always visit PriorityOnePodcast.com for all of this fantastic content.
1: Admirals, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our site or on the STO forum post for this episode. This week's community question is What did you think of Q's Winter Wonderland? Let us know in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com or in the official post for this episode on the Star Trek Online Forums.
0: Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast and give us a like. Or you can check us out on Twitter via at STO You can even join the Priority One chat in-game. All you have to do is type forward slash channel underscore join. Space Priority One.
1: Admirals, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. With your support, we've already hit our monthly running costs and we are so very grateful to all our patrons. Don't forget, even if you can't offer financial support, sharing our show with your friends is another great way to show us your support.
0: And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. It covers the ongoing development of Chris Roberts' upcoming space sim star citizen if you like this show then listening to guard frequency is the logical choice
1: the priority one fleet is recruiting if you're interested in joining just shoot us an email with your ad handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite the email is incoming at priority one podcast.com and now you can join our klingon fleet division warriors of priority one join today
0: a very special thanks to thomas the cryptic cat for joining us this episode and be sure to catch all of our interviews from our trip to cryptic studios on our youtube channel thanks to the entire team behind priority one podcast including our audio engineer ben churchill and skiffy and to support staffer midnight shadow seven thanks to our graphic artist Romula Nail, and to all of our bloggers and their managing editor l to our new video editor jerry and to the new writer of our prelude dramas jake morgan thanks to the composer of our theme music chris watts Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and Trek Radio. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, our listeners, our friends. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready
3: weapons. Engage. Engage.
2: Transfer complete.
0: So, I have an anecdote. During the filming of this Nerf Tonic mockumentary, um, you know, I I, I had a bit of, you know, I was a little apprehensive. I was like, oh my God, she's she's the, the... uh, we're never going to talk to Cryptic ever again after this video. Is made. <laughs> this is this is going to be the last time that we ever get to <laughs> communicate with Cryptic series. But the best part of the filming happened while I was in the bathroom. Oh my God. I was taking a break, Aww. a potty break, and as I'm washing my hands.
1: And any break we had, I took advantage of to film. Right, because
0: Elijah wasn't around to... to, to- <laughs> <laughs> to oversee everything like a hawk. So I take, I go to the bathroom and I'm washing my hands. And all of a sudden, Hector Ortiz, okay, concept artist, right? He's a concept artist at, at Cryptic Studios.
1: He's the blue shirt yeah. guy. Hector
0: Ortiz busts through the bathroom screaming, no, no, I'm not going to interview. No, no, go away. Go away. <laughs> screaming. Screaming and yelling this. And I hear Cookie in the background going, <laughs> no, you need to talk to, no,
1: this has to, talk to Who are you brain. protecting?
0: Uh, and I continue washing my hands, and I look to Hector, <laughs> and I look to Hector, and I go, she's bothering you, isn't she? <laughs> and Hector's like, it was fun. I was like, yeah, yeah. And so I finish drying my hands, and I come, and Cookie ran. Like, I, think- I No,
1: I ran back to the place where I was supposed to have been at, and it was Al and Jason there. And I was like, oh, where's Elijah? And they were like, oh, he's in the bathroom. And I was like, oh. and I was like, what? And I'm like, oh,
4: no,
1: because <laughs> you had just told me not to do that.
2: And I totally did
1: it anyway. And I was like, oh, no. And I turned and I looked and I saw you and I saw your face and, I was, and you knew. I was like, oh no! I'm like, I—it was fine. Just...
0: <laughs> so anyway, that oh, was an interesting gosh. little anecdote from the.
1: I totally got behind
0: caught. the scenes. We should do a. We should do a. You know what we should do with the the Nerftronic is a um, audio commentary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the oh, That's ridiculous. Release. I that idea. The special release. Everyone's gonna want to watch that. <laughs> All right, Cookie. Why don't you take the next one?
1: drink water
3: <clears throat> Jack Marenzo writes via
0: writes via you muted yourself
3: your hard work and friendly banter make my shift at work a breeze seriously I listen to oh, okay sorry I shouldn't I shouldn't editorialize while I'm reading these <laughs> people <laughs> People get confused and think that I'm speaking for them but I agree I listen to probably when work, while I'm working which oh, is oh. kind of meta I, I guess but anyway okay no more int- to intrusions. And NPR. <laughs> and NPR, yes. Jack Mur <laughs> yes. <laughs> Also, as an Australian, we do not eat kangaroos. We do eat kangaroos. <laughs> wow, alright. We do eat kangaroos. Fifteen years ago, not so. But can we edit this a
4: little bit? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go ahead and start first as an Australian. Go ahead and start first. <laughs>
3: okay. First, as an Australian, we do eat kangaroos. Fifteen years ago, not so much. But now all Coles and Woolies, our mainstream supermarkets, do sell kangaroo meat and sausages. Koalas have been added to the threatened species list. The eucalyptus. Did you know this is
1: what you were getting into when you agreed
4: to do (laughs) this?
0: Because at, the, about- because at the bloopers Owl
1: was like yeah they eat kangaroos in Australia
0: you know what Skippy maybe if you listen to the show
3: <laughs> oh. Oh my God. it's just so st- it's just so is in- stri- this
1: is informative <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's <laughs> oh man alright alright Where's the good part? Um, uh, koalas. Koalas? It's. <laughs> um. It's just. Alright. <laughs> um. Which is why they. My favorite sentence is, which is why they don't so much. <laughs>
4: like, <laughs> oh my god!
1: <laughs> why they don't. What?
3: What don't I think they do? Perfect!
1: Just leave it like
4: we'll that. We'll never know! <laughs>
3: But no, but that's all they eat, right? Like, that's why they don't breed? Why they don't. I don't know. Alright. <laughs> 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 this is like. <light>. Bitch. <laughs> Alright, I'm doing it. Colas. Alright. Starting it to Colas. Colas. <laughs> colas. <laughs> you
4: know until now. Oh my yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Kohl's> and Woolies.
1: <laughs> my face hurts.
3: Koalas have been added to the Threatened Species list because the eucalyptus eat- (laughs) We'll do it live! Alright, the koala- Koalas have been added to the Threatened Species list the eucalyptus leaf they eat is very low in viable nutrients. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do right. it on so the, the fly. It's, to it's too <laughs> it, it's
0: part of it's part of the com- it's part of the conversation we had during with our vera, it does make sense. People will get it.
3: Alright, I'm going. I'm I'm doing it. Koalas have been added to the threatened species list. The eucalyptus leaf is very low in viable nutrients, which is why they don't so much. It's great that Brand came back. And I agree. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got through it, so you almost, got through almost, it. He almost, he almost got you, it You got through the main part that you, was... can,
3: you can use that clip, right? Like, I can just start that Okay. We can do this Okay,
1: the rest is cake, the rest is easy <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you can okay.
4: It's
3: it's great that Bran Flake's Okay <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> Careful with those colas and sybilis, 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 sybilis it's great the brand place came. Get <laughs> 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 Oh my god! S- skiff-less. S- s- skiff-less. <laughs> all right, I'm 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 doing it. Oh yeah, you thought it was me running around, not an NPC. Yeah. Because um, he goes to all the parties. Right, I do go. <laughs> I, go, I, go I go to a lot of parties. <laughs> it's, it's the thing.
1: What do you listen um, to on the radio?
3: I mean NPR, I, obviously. <laughs> I, I mean you guys should come. I'm throwing an NPR party uh, in a few weeks. You gotta come over you do and do and we're...
4: the nerve tonic
1: dance.
3: Yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna. It's just gonna be about breaking down barriers a yeah. little <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh
0: That video has been very well received. I mean, it's been great the feedback we've been receiving from that nerve Tonic video. And... Hi, uh, <laughs> that was good, so it was good to see you at Club 47, you know, attending all the parties.
3: <laughs> right, right, uh, well, so, I, how that happened was, um, I, I mean, you didn't ask, but I'll tell you anyway. Um... <laughs>